Verse 1, here we go. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. This is very important. Listen to this. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Now we're preaching about hearing and recognizing the voice of God. And in this time of history, the Bible says it was rare that anybody heard from God. That revelation, not just reading a book, but revelation from God was rare. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place, when his eyes had begun to grow dim so that he could not see. I love the poetry in scripture. It says he was old, y'all. He was coming to the end of his life. It says, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. And we're Bible study. I've been Bible study. We're marching through. Samuel sleeping in the temple. God calls Samuel's voice. But Samuel had never heard the voice of God before. So he thought, can I just preach for a second? His pastor, Eli, was calling him because he mistook the voice of God for the voice of his pastor. So he runs to Eli and Eli said, he said, here I am. You've called me. He said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went back to his pastor and said, here I am for you've called me. He answered, I did not call my son. Lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and he said, here I am for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Pause. We can all understand Samuel not recognizing the voice of God because he had never heard the voice of God before. But what's up with Eli? Y'all, he was the head priest. And it took him three times to figure out, uh, maybe this is the Lord calling him. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be. If he calls you, that you must say, speak, Lord. Come on, just prophesy over your life. Somebody say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called at the other times. He called his name twice, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, for your servant hears. Father God, that's our prayer. It's a simple prayer. God, speak to us. God, we are your servants. We are the sheep of your pasture. God, we're preemptively making the decision that when you speak, we will obey. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you shout amen in this place? Columbia, can you shout amen? Baltimore, flowers. We are in week three of not a series, but a season here at Union Church called Limitless. Has anybody been leaning into this season of Limitless of God? I'm believing you for more exceeding and abundantly above all that I could ever ask, think, or imagine. The Holy Spirit began to speak to me at the beginning of this year. Stephen, will you take the limits off of your expectation of what I want to do through your life. Stop living a life of God. I'll settle for this. This is good enough. If you can only, I've said it before, if your prayers start with, if you could, you're not praying from the position of a son or daughter of Christ. You're praying from the position of someone who's trying to earn the love of God. And hear me, you don't have to earn what you already has. He loves you dearly. He loves you limitlessly. He loves you beyond your mistakes. Matter of fact, he loves you so much the Bible says, while you were wretched. Well, now that's what Stephen said. The, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. 
He loves you so much that he didn't wait for you to get it together. He said, just by the off chance you'll ever turn to me, I'll make sure that it's possible for us to be family. We were talking about how God has taken our church into a season of removing the limits off of him and really into this year and this season of launching things that I never thought we would ever be launching as a church. If you haven't heard because you've been living under a rock, Union Church Charlotte is coming. I don't know if you follow Union Church Charlotte online, but you need to. They have one of the best IGs ever. They're like 266 days until the launch of Union Church Charlotte. Grab your phone if you're watching online. I get so many testimony people. Man, I got family in Charlotte. I got family in, in, in Rock Hill, South Carolina. They're driving up or whatever it may be. It's Union CLT. Text the word Union CLT to 97000. Pastor Brian, Pastor Karen. They've been in Charlotte actually all this week and meeting with principals and schools and team and all that other good stuff. And God is doing something later. And when I got more time, I'll tell you about the crazy miracles that are already breaking out in that Charlotte area and how God has gone before us and is just making connections and all that other good stuff. And then we talked about the launch of Union Church headquarters that is coming up. Come on. How cool. I like when they have me standing. I was like, I'm in the building. How cool is that? But that'll be in the buoy area, seating over 2,400 people. And it'll be space, literally headquarters for all that is Union Church. All the campuses that we have and that are to come are going to be launched out of there. It'll be the headquarters for our outreach and track for the track program and all that other good stuff. I said, this is the first domino. For all that God is getting ready to do in this church. And I'm telling you, it is going to be amazing to say, hey, I didn't just attend, but I was a part of all that God is doing. If you're new to Union Church, over the last two weeks, we've been saying, hey, can you take this month, take four weeks and pray and hear from God. And hear how he would have you contribute, invest, and be a part of this initiative. It's a $15 million investment for us to be able to launch Charlotte and get this building up and be ready to launch campus number six and all that God is doing. And here's the deal. If everybody plays their part, I think $15 million is in the bag. I think that's not even an issue. I think it's going to be over and above. Here's how the enemy is going to attack you, though. He's going to try to say, hey, you don't have a lot to give, so what you give does not matter. Just leave it for the people that are outrageously blessed, and they'll take care of it, and all that other kind of stuff. And hear me, that is nothing but the enemy. We need every single person, whatever you're able to give, just sacrifice on your level and you're going to see God move supernaturally. I'm an econ major, and I just got math in the back of my head. So I live by faith, and I live by math as well. If every single person who calls Union Church home gives $189 over and above their tithe every single month for the next 36 months, it's done. Literally like that, $189 once a month over and above your tithe, and it's done. Now, here's why I never tell you what to give, because for some people, I can't do $189, Pastor. Like, like, like at the end of the month, I'm, I'm really waiting for that next check to come. That's right at the edge of where I am. And for you, faith may be below $189 a month. For other people, you can do that without faith. And if it doesn't require faith, then hear me, it's not from God. So I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying wherever you find yourself, say, hey, I'm not going to sit this one out. I'm going to be a part of what God is doing. And you're going to see God do more in your life and in this church than we ever thought possible. Amen. Next Sunday is Commitment Sunday. Next Sunday is the Sunday that we're coming in. Some of you are like, hey, I'm just going to give my entire offering one time and you can do that next Sunday. Me and my wife are not doing that because the number that God told us, I don't have it to do it all in one Sunday. So we're going to bring an initial offering next week and we're going to write out our commitment. And hey, here's what God is telling us to do. And we're coming with a personal miracle that we want to see from God. 
And I encourage you not just to think about what he would have you give, but what's the miracle that you're looking from God in response? Watch this. Not to your money. You cannot buy a miracle from God. But in response to your obedience. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, here's the deal. You can only obey God if you know how to hear from God. But if you don't know how to hear from God, you're kind of making it up as you go along. You're kind of guessing. So for the next 26 minutes and 20 seconds, I'm going to teach you how to hear from God. You think that's possible? It's possible to hear from God. It's not possible to do it in 26 minutes and 10 seconds. All right. First thing is this. Write this down. Write this down. The position of my heart matters. If I am going to hear from God, I've got to understand, hear me, the location of my heart matters. First Samuel chapter three is one of the most mind-blowing passages uh, in scripture. And don't worry, Karen, I did not forget it's Mother's Day. I got Mother's Day all up in my message. <laughs> A lot of people don't really know this story of Samuel. But before there was Samuel, there was, come on, Tim, a praying mother. Her name was Hannah. And year after year after year, Hannah was praying that she would have children. And year after year after year, she was unable to have children. Now, this was back in the days where people took a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of pagan worship and they mixed it all together and they called it faith, even though it wasn't. Why do I give that disclaimer? Well, because Hannah's husband had multiple wives. And if I don't give that disclaimer, some of y'all going to be like, oh, it's in the Bible. No, he paid for that. (laughs) But he had multiple wives and his other wife was able to have children. And she was constantly humiliating Hannah, saying, man, look what God has blessed me with. And you haven't been blessed this same way. Can you imagine the pain? Especially in a season in society where women were way undervalued and really their only purpose and their only value was if they can produce offspring. So here she is showing up to the temple every single year in her pain, in her agony, in her heartbrokenness. Can I just preach for a second? If you're full of joy, show up to church. If it's been an average week, show up to church. If it was the worst week of your life, show up to church. But if you can just get the habit of my worship of God and my presence in his house is not dictated upon the circumstances of my life, but though he slay me, Yet will I bless him. Can I preach for a second? I wish we had some Christian Christians, not, not, not cultural Christians, not convenient Christians, not God is my genie and I'll worship him when he blesses me. That is not Christianity. Christianity is though he slay me, I can't help but worship him because he hung on that cross for me. And if he does not do one more thing for me in my life, he has already. This is not my message, but can I park out here for a second? I don't understand how we can be disappointed with God and fully understand the cross. If you fully understand the cross, you've got to understand the cross snatches your ability to be disappointed with God because he's already done more than I could ever ask, think, or imagine. So, so what? I didn't get that promotion. He gave me the cross. So what? He didn't heal my body. He gave me his blood. Somebody say, I'm a Christian Christian. I'm not a circumstantial Christian. doesn't matter how I feel. I'm grateful. Back to your regular scheduled program. (laughs) The Bible says one time it was the time of year when they would go to the temple and worship. And and it says Hannah was so overcome with her grief that she snuck away from her family and she went. And the Bible says that she was crying out to God. She was in so much agony that, that the priest, they thought she was drunk. And they began to condemn her, say, how dare you come into the house of God inebriated? She said, I'm not drunk, I'm heartbroken. Hey, the church has been judgmental since 1 Samuel. Don't worry about it. You just keep running after God and, and don't worry about what they say about you. You, you just go after God. And Santa, uh, uh, Hannah prayed something 
That's dangerous. She said, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. That's a dangerous prayer, y'all. We're just talking, right? She got the answer to her prayer. So it worked. That's a dangerous prayer. God, if you expand my business, I'll give it back to you. Come on now. There's a lot of single people that are praying for a spouse. I don't know there's a lot of people that are praying, God, if you send me a spouse, I will make sure that our marriage glorifies you and shows people of your grace and your mercy and your favor in our life. God, if you do this in my life, I promise you, I will never take credit for this, but I will always turn the credit. She said, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him right back to you. And God blessed her. And God gave her a son. And the Bible says that she weaned him, that she, she raised him until the age that he was able to eat table food. And as soon as he was able to eat table food, she packed him. What, 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 what is that? 18 months? At about 18 months, she packed her baby, her only baby up, took him to the temple and left him there. First Samuel chapter one, verse 27 says this. She said, God, for this child, I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I have also lent him to the Lord. By the way, this is where we get child dedication from. God, you've given me this child and God, I'm giving this child back to you. So therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. So before there was ever Samuel hearing the voice of God, there was a mother that positioned him in the house of God. Hear me, before I can hear the voice of God, I've got to find out what's the position, not of my physical body, but the position of my heart. Hear, hear, hear me, you're, you're not going to hear God's voice everywhere. And when I say everywhere, I'm not talking about a physical location. I'm talking about a spiritual location. It's really, really, really difficult to hear the voice of God when, when, when your heart is in the location of selfishness. It, it, it's really difficult to hear the voice of God when, when, when your heart is in the position of pride. Or self-reliance or, or rejection. That, that, that video they played of my mother actually was 2012. I, I interviewed my mother on Mother's Day and she was talking back and forth. So this was her words, not my words. Y'all, my mama was crazy. My, my mama was one of the mamas. Like, it was so bad and my dad's in the room right now. When they would come to my soccer games, my dad would not sit next to my mom because he was embarrassed of how loud she was. Some of y'all mamas like that. Yeah. <laughs> My dad would go off in the corner. He's like, I don't know her. I've never even met that woman. I got nothing to do with her. My mom would literally run up and down the sidelines, screaming and yelling, Stephen, crush him, break his ankles, take him out. <laughs> I'm like, mom, you can't yell that. We're eight years old. We're not allowed to intentionally break an eight-year-old's ankle. it's wild and all her yelling and all her craziness when I was out on that soccer field I never heard her you know why because everybody's mama was crazy and everybody was yelling and everybody was screaming and there was noise and there were whistles and there was coaches and even though my mother was speaking to me I could not recognize her voice because it was drowned out with all the other noises that were. Somebody say he's preaching. You understand God has never not been speaking to you. But the problem is his voice is drowned out by ambition and pride and shame and guilt and rejection and culture and preferences and trauma. And before I worry about hearing the voice of God, I've got to make sure that I'm positioned in a place 
where I can recognize his voice. Y'all got to pray for your pastor. God's still working on me. I have a little bit of a pride deal, but I'm humbling myself daily. I'm getting better every day, Yoli. I promise you I am. I'm just, I ain't there yet. We were in Israel in 2017, me and my wife, and it, it was just an amazing, amazing trip. I always say this. It was a 10-day trip. It was the best five days of my life. I was like, man, by day five, I said, I can't do any more hummus. Get me out of here. <laughs> we had an overambitious tour guide that wanted to show us the entire Bible in 10 days. I said, lady, it took them 3,000 years to write this. There's no way I'm going to see it all in 10 days. I was just, I was over it. But one of the days they went to the Wailing Wall. If you know anything about the Wailing Wall, it's this wall where people will take prayer requests and they'll write the prayer request down and they'll stick it into the cracks of the wall. And they believe that in this place, God's ear is extra sensitive and that he will respond supernaturally. And, and pastors had prayer requests from their church members and said, hey, I'm going to take your prayer request and I'm going to stick it in that Wailing Wall. So when we got there, pastors were going in their backpacks and they were praying at the wall and they had a, their, their headpiece on and all that. You know what your pastor was doing? I was standing back here. I was not going to pray at that wall. Because God's in my heart. He ain't no wall. He will hear me wherever I pray. It, it felt like superstition to me. It felt like rub the wall and you'll get a prayer. And I'm like, that's not Bible. It, it, it's amazing because I went home and I read my Bible that night. And in the Bible, God says, any prayers that are prayed facing this wall, I, I'm like, let me, let me go back. Let me. Take me back. I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. I told you I'll pray for me. Now I got to go back just so I can pray in the whale and walk. But what they believe in what scripture said is that if you're in the right position, you can hear from God and God can hear from you. Where's that position? It's the temple. I'm having fun. You're having fun. Somebody said, I can only pray in the temple. I'm going to mess with you, but just pray. I can only pray in the temple. Come on, say it one more time. I can only pray in the temple. You ready? 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know? Y'all thought, y'all got scared. You thought you could only pray in church on Sunday. <laughs> I set you up. I said, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells inside of you. You have to understand that the second you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as the blood of Jesus comes on you and erases your sin and erases your past, he doesn't just cleanse you, but he inhabits you. The Bible says that God comes and lives inside of you, that you are the temple of God. Why did Samuel hear the voice of God? Not just because he lived at the temple, but because he cared for the temple. It was his job to put out the bread, which represented the word of God. It was his job probably to light the candles, which represented the power of the Holy Spirit and the bowl of incense that represented the prayers and the worship that was going unto God. Because Samuel lived a life tending to the presence of God, he heard the voice of God. You're going to recognize the voice of God. You've got to make a decision. I have a guest and I will tend to him. I'm going to talk to him in the morning. I'm going to worship him in the evening. I'm going to make sure that he's comfortable. I'm going to make sure that my other guest's anger doesn't impose on my guest, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to make sure that my other guest's hurt, heart and pain doesn't impose. Come on now. I'm going to make sure that my spirit is conducive to hearing the voice of God. Second thing is this. Write this down. He never speaks just once. He, he, th th I, I just have some like Stephen sayings that they help me out a lot and they'll help you out a lot too. Here's one of my Stephen sayings. God does not play games. When it comes to hearing the voice of God, you've got to understand, you don't serve a God that plays games. Thus saith the Lord. Huh? I can't hear you. 
Well, you should have been listening the first time. I will not repeat my... You know what we do sometimes? I know it's Mother's Day. We're supposed to honor our mothers. So let's bash the fathers. We'll talk about... You might have had a father that told you... I'm not repeating myself. Think back to what I told you to say the first time. You heard me. Come on, is that the one? Is that your dad? You heard me. And what we do is we superimpose our earthly father on our heavenly father. And because our earthly father gets frustrated when we ask him to repeat himself, or our earthly father wasn't even there to repeat himself. We get this picture in our mind that our heavenly father is this frustrated, irritable, absent father that says, I'm not going to repeat myself. Come on, fathers, let's be careful. The heavenly father we demonstrate to our children. Samuel, Eli, that kid ain't that bright. Samuel, Eli. Now, he might have got frustrated because the fourth time he's like, Samuel, Samuel. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Here's one thing you need to learn about the voice of God. He never speaks just once. So hear me. Don't you ever act on just one word from God. If God doesn't only speak once, then you don't act just because you get us. I think this was God. And, and today's going to be more like Bible study than it is a message. Is that okay? Because you've got to understand that God speaks. The enemy speaks, your guilt speaks, your ambition speaks, culture speaks. There's a lot of voices. <laughs> I think we all need counseling. I hear voices. <laughs> it's not bad unless you talk back to them. It's all good. But <laughs> no, 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 no. There are competing ambitions and voices and that's why God never only speaks once, because he will confirm what he said and make sure that it's undeniable. This is me. This is not the bad pizza that you ate last night and the fact that you watched Batman, which was a horrible movie. Somebody say, prove it. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse one says this. This will be, watch this, the third time I have come to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. This was Paul's third visit to the church of Corinth. And he was referencing a law that God had written back in Deuteronomy that said, do not ever convict somebody based on the testimony of one person. You need at least two or three witnesses before you take it as fact. Hear me. God will always speak to you two to three, watch this, different ways to confirm this is my word. This is what I have for you. Somebody say, give me the three. Here's the first one. God will speak to you personally. God will speak to you personally. And he will confirm it through peace. You're tracking with me. Last week, I talked about how God told me to give, give my car away. I was 18 years old, and I didn't have money to buy another car. And I just told the Holy Spirit, say, hey, you give me your car. How did I know it was God? Well, it wasn't me because I'm not that generous. <laughs> I mean, let's just be real. God's still working on me. It wasn't the enemy because the enemy's not generous. So it had to have been God. Did, did you hear an audible voice, Pastor? I did not. I think God's voice is like Dave Earl Jones, the, the Bell Atlantic guy. You know what I mean? Just, just deep and melodic, kind of like an R&B singer. <laughs> I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I've just gotten this sense in my conscience. Hey, go talk to that stranger. Go, go. I, I, I'm going to end on time, I promise you. I was driving out of my house yesterday, and this person, this car in front of me, they hunt me down. I rolled down the window, and we talked for a second with somebody I'd never met before. Got in my car, drove off, went about three hours. I was at the mall about three and a half hours later, and I see this person's car parked right in front of me. And as soon as I see the car, I was on the phone with my dad. I said, Dad, let me call you right back. As soon as I said, I said, no, 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 this is not coincidence. 
There's no way I'm going to see a perfect stranger twice in one day. And God is not something trying to do something. I hopped out of my car. I said, hey, I saw you four hours ago. And we started talking. And come on now and hope they're not watching because I'm working on them. They come into church and they go and get saved because that must be why God can. God will speak through circumstances. God, God, God will speak through random people kind of just talking. And as they're talking, something cues in your head. But he will get your attention. He will impress on your heart. And you're going to be in a position where you're saying, hey, I'm pretty sure this is God. One of the, one of the biggest decisions I ever had to make and hear the voice of God was the decision to move what was Destiny Church at the time, Union Church now, that, that I became the pastor of after my father pastored it from Baltimore County to Howard County. My dad had pastored the church for 15 years. If you're from Baltimore in Woodlawn, five minutes outside of the city, and, and it, it grew, it was thriving there. I became the pastor, and it exploded. But we're looking for buildings, we're looking for property, we're looking for the next place to go, and it just wasn't, nothing was opening up. And, and a realtor that we worked with, actually still work with to this day, reached out and said, I found a building, but it's in Howard County. Would you consider it? I said, no. Nobody drives 25 minutes away from where their church was planted to go to church. If I move to Howard County, all the members are going to leave. I, I won't consider it. She said, hey, will you at least walk the building? Oh. Y'all, I walked into that building and the peace of God just fell on me. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. And can I, can, can we, we're just talking, right? Karen, is that all right? Columbia, you good? We're just talking. Instantly, peace and guilt collided in the same space. Because I got this peace that this was God. But instant guilt of, I feel like a sellout. I was born in Baltimore. Y'all, I was raised in Baltimore. I got filled with the Holy Spirit in Baltimore. I got called into the ministry in Baltimore. Baltimore is what broke my heart. And that's why I am in the ministry because God called me to that city. I'm like, God, I can't leave because I feel like I am. But it, you get what I'm saying? So I feel like God's speaking, but there's this wrestle, this wrestle that's going on. And I did something. This today's going to be just really practical. So, so write this down. A pastor taught me to do this. He said, when you have these conflicting feelings and you think that it may be God, it may not be God, get some time quiet away when it's just you and God, spend time worshiping, and then sit down and write your prayer out to God. Now, if you're a woman in the room, this is called two-way journaling. But if you're a man, men don't have journals because we're men. So this is called a revelation book. It's not a journal, men. It's a revelation book. Women have journals. Men have revelations. Just clear you up. Ain't no journal. So get you a revelation book and you write. And he said, here's what you do. Write your prayer out to God. But don't just write out your prayer. Write out your fears. Write out your doubts. Write out your ambitions, write out your concerns, and write out what you think God is saying to you. So I sat down after I got back from Howard County, I began to write. God, this building's amazing. God, I really have a peace that this is you. But God, I feel like I'm abandoning those you called me to. God, I feel like this is a place that you have. And I just wrote exactly. And then somebody say two way. And then another piece of paper, another section. Write, dear son, dear daughter. And here's the key. Without thinking, just write God's response to you. Dear son. Here's what my father is saying to me. Pastor, that's presumption. How dare I pretend like I would know what God would say to me. First Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 16, for who could ever, in the, I'm adding a few words, don't worry about it. Who in their right mind would think that they would know the mind of the Lord, that may, he may instruct him. But Paul said, we have the mind of Christ. Listen, if you're a believer, you have the spirit of God. And if you have the spirit of God, his mind comes with his spirit. And as you're writing, you're going to be writing what God says to you. Somebody say amen. amen. 
Hold up. Wait a minute. Somebody say two or three witnesses. That's only one. So don't take that journal and run off and say, oh, God spoke. No, no, no. That's step number one. Step number two is I need another witness. So I am going to go to God's word. And I'm going to ask God in your word, confirm what you spoke in my spirit. So I write out all my concerns, right? And then God takes me to Jeremiah 29. Now, if you know me, Jeremiah 29, 11 is my favorite passage in all scripture. For I know plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. I'm like, God, I know that first. He said, no, read the whole chapter. And you know what the whole chapter says from top to bottom? God says, go to the land that I'm sending you. Even though it's not your home, make home there. It says, build houses, have children, pray for the peace of the land. And then watch what it says. It says, after you've been strengthened, I will send you back to your homeland to rebuild and reestablish. Do you understand how my faith exploded? In one moment, God told me to move to Howard County and he prophesied the launch of our Baltimore County campus all in one moment. He said, go where I'm sending you. I'll strengthen you there. And then I'll send you back stronger than you've ever been. Can I just give you all numbers? We went to Howard County. The church blew up. Years later, we launched the church back in Baltimore County. We were struggling to see over 300 people when we were only in Baltimore County. When we launched that new location, there was close to 900 people the first day of that location. And if I'd be honest with you, we would have never grown to 900 people if we had stayed there for the next four years. It is vital that we're able to hear the voice of God. God speaks to us and then he confirms it through his word. God will never say something to your spirit that contradicts something that he said in the word. God, God told me to lie about this. God is leading me not to tell the whole truth. Yes, that is a spirit. It is not the spirit, but it is a spirit. Because God's word will never contradict his word. He's not hypocritical. He's not double-minded. His word will confirm what he said. So after you write, pray, God, give me a passage. Give me something to read to confirm what he said. Somebody say amen. amen. Hey, as we're hearing from God of what he would have us give in this limitless offering, what he would have us give over the next three years, hear me, it will align with scripture. It will not contradict scripture. So you've got to know what scripture says about money if you're going to hear a word from God about money. And for so many people, they only know one thing that the scripture says about money. Not going to do a show of hands, but some of you grew up in the tithing camp where all you heard in church was tithe, tithe, tithe. If you don't tithe, you're a thief. You are robbing God and the devourer. Come on now. Y'all more scared of the devourer than you're scared of God. <laughs> you are out drunk in a club, but your tithe money still made it because you just say, listen, I ain't living for God, but I ain't messing with God. Come on. Some of y'all grew up that way. Some of y'all grew up on the seed. I call it the seed circuit where every prophet that came to your church, this is good seed. You need to sow into the seed. If you want a miracle, sow now, now, now. Come on now. I get a little sense of some of y'all because y'all grew up in church like this. Y'all were in such a seed church, they didn't even wait till the end of the message. You hear something you like, you go in your pocket, walk up with your seed. I'm a so see right now. And then you gotta smack the altar too. I, my wife didn't grow up in church like that. We were in one of them services where the guy, I mean, he was preaching. He, and people walking up with their seed and slapping on the altar. And my wife's like, are they attacking the pastor? What's going on? I'm like, babe, this is just different. A lot of people know one thing that God says about money. They don't know everything that he says about money. And if I get a word from God, but I ignore the wisdom of scripture, I'll never see the promises of God come to pass in my life. What's everything the Bible says about money? It says three things about money. The first thing is this. It says, make God the Lord of your money. 
It says make him the first through the tithe. What is the tithe? It is 10% of everything you earn, your increase. And it says, put God first, letting him know I'm not trusting my strength, my ability, or my employer. But God, you are my provider. I had a business owner come up to me last week and said, how do I tithe from my business earnings and all that other good stuff? Because I have expensive, I have employees to pay, all that kind of stuff. I said, God, I said, give God 10% of whatever you live off of. He's not super legalistic. He's not, you know, carrying the zero and adding decimal points and all that other good stuff. It's God, I put you first in everything in my life. Somebody say tithe. tithe. By the way, just because we're having fun and I'm going to clean it up in the end and Sean's going to play and we're going to whoop and holler and it's going to be great. Tithe is not a suggestion. Tithe is a commandment. So I can't give a tithe. I can only return the tithe. Because it never belonged to me in the first place. That's where the whole thief idea comes from. Because God loaned me something and now I'm not giving it back. Which, So, if you don't tithe, you can't give an offering. Because an offering is over and above your obedience and tithing. So God told me to give this big gift, but I don't tithe. It's contradicting scripture. For a lot of us, step one is, I'm going to give God a 10%. Somebody say step two. Somebody say the other 90. This is where we mess up in church. We teach the 10%, but we don't teach the 90%. Do you know if you tithe, but you don't work hard? You don't have a budget? You spend every penny that comes in. You get caught up in get rich quick schemes. You don't invest in your retirement and plan for your future. The blessings of God will not come on you. Because the Bible doesn't. Here's one of the verses in the Bible. It says, sow your seed in multiple places. Because you never know which will bring you back a harvest. Somebody say diversify. Fidelity didn't come up with diversifying your portfolio. Proverbs came up with, don't put all your money in Apple because they may crash. And that's what we don't hear a lot of in church. That if I'm just taking on debt, 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 and I say, honestly, what poor people say, I can make the payment. Then God can't bless you because you're not being a good steward of what you have. And then the third thing scripture teaches us is to give over and above. And he says, don't do that out of manipulation. Don't do that out of coercion. That's why we're giving you four weeks. because You ain't going to pin on me. Pastor, you made me cry. You showed me your mama. And then you took an offering. You ain't pulling that one on me. No, you have four weeks to go home and get over your emotions. And hear the voice of God and respond to the voice of God. What I'm saying is, hey, God said, hey, give over and above as I lead and guide you in that seed, and I'm going to bring supernatural results in your life. Somebody say, amen. Amen. So God speaks through his peace. He speaks through his word, and he speaks through godly counsel. It's not a coincidence that before Samuel recognized the voice of God, he mistook the voice of God for the voice of his pastor. And it was a pastor in Samuel's life that helped him recognize the voice of God. I don't know why I'm feeling so free in this service. I may not be this free next service, but can I just talk for a second? There's a lot of pastors that are insecure. And they want to be needed by the people. So they never teach the people to hear from God for themselves. They teach the people that you have to come to the mind of God to hear a word from God. Shots fired. It is not the pastor's job to hear from God on your behalf, but it is the pastor's job to teach you to recognize the voice of God by by teaching the word and and, and demonstrating how I heard the voice of God. But here's the problem. A lot of people don't want to submit to a pastor. A lot of people want to be what I call a lone ranger Christian. Come on, you know the song, long as I got King Jesus, long as I got King Jesus, low, low, low. Don't need nobody. That's a lie. It's a great song, but it's a lie. 
Because Ecclesiastes says, woe to the man that is by themselves. Because when they fall, they have nobody to help them up. No, you need a pastor. You need a connect group. You need somebody that you're pouring into so that as God pours into you, you're not a swamp, but you are a conduit to give. Somebody say, I'm not a lone ranger. All right, Sean, play. Now, I need you to play, play. You could just play kind of that Holy Ghost feel. But if I go there, you go there. If I don't go there, we ain't never going to get there. All right. Somebody say tension. There is a tension in this story that a lot of people never pay attention to. Samuel, Eli, Samuel, Eli, it's God. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Write this down. Our obedience unlocks next. For many people, the idea of hearing the voice of God is completely foreign. It's like, look, he's the creator of the universe. Who do I think I am that the creator of the universe would speak to me? But if you think about who he is, your heavenly father, it's actually crazy to think that he would not speak to you. What good, righteous father would not speak to their child? Well, he has 8 billion kids. Well, I think he planned on that. That's why he's omnipresent and omniscient. And he can talk to 8 billion people at the same time. Hear me. The big deal is not that he speaks. The big deal is, will you obey? Samuel, Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. When God finally spoke to Samuel and he finally heard the voice of God, do you know what God said to Samuel? He said, Samuel, I am removing your pastor. He said, Eli has changed his heart and he's more impressed with the approval of people than the approval of God. That's why he's lost his ability to hear my voice. And Samuel, I'm raising you up as the replacement of the man that you've respected for your entire life. Samuel, go tell him. people want to hear the voice of God? <laughs> That's because y'all brave. I don't know if I want to hear what he has to say. Because when he spoke, it was the heaviest, most difficult conversation Samuel could ever read it on your own time. Samuel didn't want to tell him. Eli said, what did he say? Samuel said, uh. he said, it's bright up in heaven. Eli said, no, for real. Tell me what he said. And Samuel had to make the decision that every believer has to make when they hear the voice of God. Now that I've heard him, will I obey? Hebrews chapter three, verse seven says this. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. In the days of trials in the wilderness. Hey, y'all hear me? The hard part's not hearing the voice of God. The hard part's obeying. The hard part is this is difficult, God. This is wild. This is crazy. I didn't expect this. But here's what I've learned. The first word from God is never the biggest word from God. The first word from God is a test word from God. He says, if I could trust you with that, then I'm going to show you unsearchable things, mysteries and secrets that other people wish they knew. And Samuel obeyed God. And then they said about Samuel, which I, what I wish and hope they'll say about Stephen. It says, so Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. He says, Samuel, because I can trust you to obey my voice, 
I'm going to make sure that you are never made a fool. And everything that you say, I will bring to pass. Because you're trustworthy. God will speak. Question is, can I recognize when he speaks? And will obey when he does. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful that we can say, we are your sheep. God, you are your children. And even in this moment, you're giving us the ability to hear your voice. And God, we preemptively make the decision that when you speak, we will obey. Keep your eyes closed and your head bowed, but let me teach you for a second. You may not realize this, but every Sunday I have you pray a prayer. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? I've been teaching you to hear the voice of God every Sunday that you've been here. And in this moment, he wants to speak to you. So as we do every Sunday, church, pray this prayer with me. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just quiet your spirit. Allow him to speak to you. For some of you, he's saying, I love you more than you love yourself. For some of you, he's saying, I need you to go back to that last word I gave you and fulfill that. For some of you, he's saying, the first thing I'm asking is that you would give me your life. There's some of you in this room, there's some of you watching online that if you'd be honest, you would say, Pastor, my life is not the temple of God. I don't make room for God in my life, but I want to. Whether you're like me and you grew up in church, but for so many years we're ignoring the God of the church. Or maybe you never grew up in church and you didn't really know that God wanted a relationship with you. Wherever you find yourself, make that decision right now. Hey, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And as you do that, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for wanting a relationship with me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Because of your blood, I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I am brand new. And I give you my heart. I give you my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every...